Northern Brewery is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jamil Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashev and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Hey, yeah. And hey to the 2010 NHC conference attendees. Hey, hi, guys. Hey, Hey, Tasty's here. There's more Bruin Bruin brothers and sisters than there are Uh, attendees. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Yeah, this has been been great. I've enjoyed this uh, whole conference experience, like always. It's always a great time. Well, It's got everything I need. Home brewers to talk to. (laughs) And beer to drink. As long as my voice holds out, I'm in great shape. Right. And well, plenty of beer. And the, the great, the, speaking of good time, or a great time, uh, how about that BNA5 uh, Northern Brewer Party? That huh? was a party there. I think that might have been at least as good as BNA4, four, I think. Yeah, well, our awesome sponsor, uh, Northern Brewer, they yeah. took uh, real good care of us. Yeah. Uh, provided the uh, venue and uh, Venue and a, a great serving the, system. Uh, the yeah. beers were flowing nicely. Yeah. Uh, we all got to self serve there, and we all uh, did a, a good job. Beer. Acted like adults. Yeah, a lot Drunk of great adults. Beer. There adults. Was, yeah, yeah. That was quite the uh, quite the event. I yeah. I loved it. You know, yeah. uh, met up with a lot of the listeners and just right. just had a great old oh, yeah. time. Yeah, definitely. And uh, also, uh, not to uh, ignore those guys, but uh, you know, uh, Keith from Seabull and uh, the folks here at White Labs—they've been very generous to us as well because we're impinging upon their space. They they. Very uh, generous in sharing with us. Uh, we really appreciate that. That that's uh, you know that's the way that uh, the brewing community is. I think they're yeah, yeah, always they're, always yeah. generous. But right. uh, and you know if you get a chance, check out the Northern uh, Brewer booth, opposite side of the room. Uh, we wanted to stay as far away from them as possible. Uh, <laughs> but you should go. You should go over there. Just ignore the smell. It's really uh, great over there. Go go to that end and uh, check them out after the, after the show. Uh, good folks. I, I really love those guys at uh, Northern Brewer. They got a good sense of humor too, as you can tell by their ads. <laughs> they uh, they're always uh, they're always up for a good time, and uh, you should you should uh, thank them for sponsoring the show because they pay for the show. You don't have to. So uh, keep that in mind when when you're uh, perusing their their online store or their their store in person. Uh, they've already paid for stuff for you, so maybe you'll want to buy a little bit more. I also want to thank. Uh, Daryl and Josh from uh, Florida. Josh is my marketing uh, person who helped uh, help me out with uh, the rusty trombone and the Geppetto's crotch at the uh, the last uh, BN anniversary party. Quality marketing uh, information. If I ever start a brewery, that's that's my marketing guy right there. Right. He's, he's going to name all the beers because uh, that's that's good stuff. And uh, they brought some uh, beers from Florida. Uh, it's called uh, Swamphead Brewery. It's a uh, home brewer who's opened his uh, new. Uh, uh, craft brewery, uh, commercial brewery, and uh, they brought us the three beers: the Wild Night, which is a uh, light light beer, you know, a summer drinker, yeah, like a summer pilsner, yeah, yeah uh, with some honey in it, two yeah. honey, six uh, percent alcohol, and that was nice. So we kind of had a real floral, fruity kind of character to it. Yeah. And then we had the uh, Midnight Oil. It's five percent alcohol, a coffee beer, some uh, some gold. It's got a little bit of hoppy in it and a little coffee in it. That was kind of interesting as well. And then the uh, the viscous and uh, quite uh, <laughs> alcoholic ten uh, percent. Uh, they run your car on that stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure what they call this one uh, after midnight, and I think it's a blend part of the uh, uh, the coffee, and then they have uh, cocoa nibs in there. It's real rich. Definitely getting that. And uh, I was I was telling uh, Josh, you know, they were putting the marketing caps on that really you shouldn't call it cocoa nibs. 
They should call it cocoa nipples. <laughs> you know, the, the cocoa nibs people yeah. would sell a lot more of those things. You put a lot more of them in your beer if they called them cocoa nipples. Now, exactly. wouldn't you? Right? You'd, you'd buy it to try it, right? Come on. Everybody, everybody you know. They take one of those. It's like I dry nippled this. You know. Uh, right. You know, this is this is a really nipply beer. Uh, it's got a firm nipple background. Yes. Yeah. yeah right. Right. Yeah. I like I like how yeah. the nipples stand right. out from the beer. Yeah. You know. I think uh, I think <laughs> it, it's yeah. something. Yeah. They really yeah. uh, they really. Uh, uh, we beat yeah. this one up. <laughs> so uh, you know, for all those those folks selling the uh, cocoa nibs, uh, take a, take a, uh, a take word some of license advice. Yeah, yeah, cocoa nipples, right. cocoa nipples. I think uh, that's a, a much better name for the product. A nipple beer. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, cocoa nipple beer. Well, and uh, we did plan on bringing uh, beer for everyone to taste. And uh, that was that was uh, we, your department. That was my plan. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I say we, meaning you. And, well, I uh, thought it'd be good if we could do a can you brew tasting here. Right, exactly. And I so and uh, well, and you had that fabulous Union Jack clone, which was just well. Now they haven't heard this show yet, unless right, they listened to the live uh, oh, podcast. Okay. Well, you know, so I don't know. And if, we could let the cat out of the bag. We definitely cloned that beer. It was a spot yeah. on match. Absolutely. Uh, Farson Walker Union Jack. Uh, at least when we tasted it, and then when I I got the beer here, my cloned beer uh, tasted oxidized. So. Uh, it's embarrassing because I don't uh, usually uh, have a beer that gets oxidized, but uh, so it's not going to serve any purpose to do the tasting because they don't they don't match at all now. Yeah, I think what you should do is go to northernbrewer.com and pick yourself up a, uh, a Blickman beer gun, some oxy caps, and, and yeah. some oxy caps, and maybe package oh, well, your beer that way. No, no, it was in the keg oxidized, so uh-huh. don't like start discounting my patented high tech <laughs> bottling method. <laughs> Well, how do you get and Gordon uses the that, by the way, too. Gordon Strong calls that. Well, he says he uses the tasty method. Well, well and again, that's yeah, an endorsement. If, if you're if you're going to go ahead and uh, bottle that up, and then the next day have it in the competition, I think that's just fine. <laughs> if you're going to ship it, uh, you know, halfway across the country, no, 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 no. not going to work for you. No, no I, I had all. I had, all uh, the, man, uh, I had six uh, bottles uh, of Janice Brown at the BNA Five Party. Uh-huh. Those that's were a, fine. That's same a, bottling that's guy. That's a darker beer. Same. Well, okay, so your dark beers, they're going to resist oxidation quite a bit better than well, your, right. your lighter color beers. All right, maybe. Yeah, you, you listen to Bruce Strong, and you, you know, you'll pick up some of these tips, and that'll, that'll When's that on? I don't know. It's on It's on the Brewing Network. Uh, I've heard about it. You know, they're, Actually, I was listening to that on, on the plane on the way here. I, really was. Though. I, was, I was listening to the one called uh, High Gravity Brewing, right? Right, right. And uh, I, I was interviewed for an article for Zymergy, and they, they wanted to talk about High Gravity Brewing. And what I call high gravity bring is where you brew a high gravity beer, uh-huh. then you add water to, uh-huh. to to get it down to like a regular regular tasting beer. Uh-huh. Sure. I thought your show should have been called Making High Gravity Beers. Okay. Yeah. Just to, just right. the point of reference. There. All right. I was a little confused. I thought, how did you do a show on high gravity brewing, and not have the guy only guy you know that's ever done a high gravity <laughs> brew and added water to it? Come on. <laughs> so. I say you were you were just pissed you weren't invited. I was a little annoyed. All yeah, right. All right. Yeah. All right. Well. So, You're getting uh, it. I, I gotta have to spell it out. So we'd like to uh, invite people to try these uh, samples of the Swamphead Brewery in uh, Florida. Uh, we got a few cups uh, up again, here. If you already got some beer to, in your glass, to Daryl and Josh, we're gonna try it. And then there's also beer at the uh, at the uh, booth back there. You can uh, give those at the uh, club uh, hospitality. Uh, hospitality booth. And uh, so there's plenty of beer to drink. Unfortunately, uh, uh, not a tasty beer for that. There'll be no tasty beer here today. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. So what we wanted to do today was go into uh, talk about the the techniques. We we get asked a lot about techniques for cloning beers, how you go about it, what's the best way to uh, you know, approach the brewery, get the recipe, what things do you need to change in the recipe to match your your style of brewing, and a lot of the tips and tricks that we've picked up over the course of a year of doing this show, and I think it's uh, real valuable. So let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, uh, we'll get right into uh, all the uh, details of uh, Cologne and Beers. Back after this. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers. When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 1842 in the province of Bohemia. Yo, this era jerky. All the beers is murky. What ho, friends? A male alewife. I don't know what I'm doing, so I got this dark malt, yeah? More stinky dark beer, yeah. No, sir. Please, wait. Just a moment. Aye, a package from the future from Northern Brewer. Use the Pilsner malt, my good man. And the Sats Hop, sucker. 
They ain't noble like Queen Victoria. But you can use Sterling from Portland to Astoria. Let your war caramelize and let Melanodins harmonize in a long boil. Keep your starter undercover with aluminum foil. Who? And use it thou some bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping, and get your nasty-ass bog myrtle back to the dark ages, Brother Abelard. Hey, this golden lager with the happy hops pretty damn good. Thanks, Time Brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next, we dare. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of The Time Brewers. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Whether I'm making me dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies. You head all the way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain or a bit of keg tubing? No, you moronic waste to liver. Dublin, California. I go to HopTech. For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, soda flavors, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer award-winning beer kits, both online and in their store. Mention the BN Army for a 10% discount off your order. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award-winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll-free 800-DRY-HOPS or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe, and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it, with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Now back to Can You Brew It? All 
All right, so we're talking about uh, the process of cloning beers. So the way the show works, you, you guys have been sending in requests for different beers, and uh, you know, you give us a little story as to why you want us to clone it, and then we contact the breweries and try and get uh, set up for an interview and do the interview with them, get as much detail as we can, and then we, we brew the beers. So if you're trying to do this yourself, a couple of tips. When you're starting out, first off, don't hassle the brewer. Right? You're asking for a favor. You're asking for them to take the time to talk with you, share the information. I think sometimes you guys will find that you go to the brewer, they're really busy. They're they're doing everything they can to, you know, make the, the business successful, so they're they're crazy busy. And they may not have the time to talk to you right then and there. And so they may say no, but it's it's not necessarily because um, they don't like you or they hate homebrewers or whatever. Uh, it's just it's it's a time uh, availability thing. So y- you know you want to approach them you know on their slack periods of the year when they have some time free, and they're a lot more likely to help you out. You know and, and approach it you know kindly. I think we have a, a little bit better success sometimes because uh, they look at it as like, well, okay, I can give the recipe once, and then everybody <laughs> will stop asking me. Yeah, this right? is too many emails. Yeah. yeah, I won't have to answer you know a, a thousand requests for the recipe. I can just point them to the brewing network and be done with it. So uh, that's that's one of the reasons I think we, we sometimes uh, have better success. But, again, just be kind to the brewers. And if they say no or even if they say, well, I don't want you to have my recipe, then say, oh, okay, I understand. Thank you very much. You know, just go on your business and go try something else. You know, don't 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 hassle them about it. All right, so you got the the brewer to agree to give you an interview, and uh, you want to get your recipe details. You, you want to get as many details as you can, but I'll tell you the things that I find are really important when you're trying to clone a, a beer is uh, malt colors and suppliers. Yeah. Now, now, why is that so so critical to the beer? You're asking tasting? Yes. No, well, I'm asking the audience, the audience. since they, they don't have a microphone no, at this time. We will well, have some Q and A later on, but yeah, yeah, the very you know the each monster has you know puts a different twist on the malts, right? right so uh, right. you know the broad categories like English uh, crystals, American crystals, they're going to be different. So that that definitely does matter. For Huge sure. flavor difference. I was in uh, 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 Australia in, in Melbourne at uh, a shop there and uh, at uh, Grain and Grape, and uh, a, a guy brought in his Shakespeare Stout clone, and he wanted me to taste it and see what what it was like and uh, what I thought of it. And it was well-made beer. The problem was it was nothing like Shakespeare Stout. It wasn't roasty. You know, it was very mildly roasty. It looked like a brown porter. And I asked him, you know, did you follow the recipe? He's like, yeah, you know, I used uh, the Joe White, uh, uh, you know, uh, colored malts. And the problem with that was uh, the, the, the the store there, they, they brought me some Joe White, which I had never seen before. And they brought me the, uh, the Simpsons, which... Uh, you know, it was a, 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 an English-based uh, malt. And the uh, the color difference was just incredible. I mean, one was dark and rich and, and, and high color, and the other one was kind of a mottled, uh, you know, white and brown. And so it's no wonder that his beer didn't turn out right. <laughs> it's got to be a completely different flavor profile. Right. Completely different fla- flavor profile, different color. you really got to kind of be careful as to, you know, the types of malt. So when you're asking them about the recipe, just say, oh, you know, what, what's your supplier of crystal malt? What's your supplier of, uh, uh, you know, uh, highly kiln malt? What's your, your base malt supplier? Base malt, things like that. And even that might have a profile of its own, too. Right. And, you know, ask for colors, things like that. And again, um, you know, all these details help. You also want to know about, uh, you know, batch size. So how big a batch, you know, if a lot of times the brewers, you know, they're like, I don't want to convert this down to homebrew sizes and have to figure out all this stuff. That's all right. You guys can do all the math. It's not that difficult, right? Uh, Just, you know, say, oh, no hassle. Just give me your numbers, whatever numbers you want to work in. That's fine. And usually they'll tell you, well, I do a sack of this and a sack of that and, uh, you know, we do, uh, you know, a, a thousand pounds of this and 500 pounds of that. And you're thinking, well, okay, a sack of this, sack of that, uh, depends on how, how big a brew length they're doing. So you got to ask them, how big a batch of beer are they brewing? And then you can go ahead and, and do all those calculations as far as the hops and, uh, you know, all the grains and stuff right like that. And you're, you're a big proponent of, uh, having like the right gravity, different points of the, of the oil process too. And, yeah. you know, 
bat size makes a big difference there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You want, the, the thing about the cloning a beer is that the more you know about the brewer's process, the more likely you are to, to clone the beer, and it does make a difference. I mean, as home brewers, we can only make so many changes to our process to mimic uh, commercial brewers, but... Uh, mm-hmm. A lot, of, a lot of things they say about, you know, when they had the hops and how they had them. And, uh, right. Makes a big difference to us, too. We can, we can actually adjust a little bit. Well, and, uh, you know, a good example of that is, you know, the homebrew process tends to be quite different than yeah. the commercial brewery process. And one of those things is Whirlpool. Right. So during the interviews lately, you'll, you'll hear me asking, <laughs> you know, do you Whirlpool? How long do you Whirlpool hot? And you may think, well, that's a really strange question. Why would you care? Well, a lot of the utilization that they get from the whirlpool, you know, if you're whirlpooling hot, is I think it's, um, what's the minimum temperature of isomerization? It's something like, you know, 150 years. Yeah, yeah. Fahrenheit. Yeah. And so the hops, you're still getting bitterness. And when you, when you do these recipes and you calculate them out, you know, I'll calculate out a 45 IBU Firestone Walker beer, and it comes up 17 <laughs> IBUs. And I'm like, I know that's right. And the reason it's right is because he's doing an hour whirlpool. So you either have to move your hop additions back earlier, or you have to do a hot whirlpool. And I think, Tasty, you, you decided to, to yeah, just do the hot whirlpool. I guess I got more time than since. So, yes, I'm, I am doing the extended whirlpools right. when the brewer says that he's doing them. Right. Well, and, and, uh, and that's given you, uh, you know, great success in, in yeah. cloning these beers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, I, uh, one thing I do uh, is I use hop sacks for all my hop additions, right? So when I do the throw in the, the uh, flame out hops, uh, you know after after I do the whirlpool, I, I actually remove the bittering hops and any anything other than the flame out. So, so mm. as if I transfer to a separate whirlpool right, vessel, right? Left behind. So I don't have the sixty minutes in there for another right, a, a, not thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, just to try to make my process as much li- like the uh, commercial mm-hmm. brewer as possible. Well, that's one thing that really annoys the daylights out of me is. Uh, you know, a home brewer will get a recipe from a from commercial brewery. They've asked them. The guy went through all the trouble to give it to him, even write it down and all this. And they'll say, well, no, he lied to me. My beer didn't turn out anything <laughs> like his, and so he lied to me. What a son of a bitch yeah. uh, did this, it's did a, that. It's still know. a secret recipe. Yeah, he won't tell all, us. Yeah. all angry at the, uh, at, at the brewer who took the time. And that's why a lot of brewers are like, well, I'm not going to give any of these guys the recipes because they're just going to rag on me on the Internet that I, I lied to them. And they're not. You know, if they're going to the trouble to give you the recipe, they're giving you the recipe. They're not, like, making something up just to get rid of you. It's just easier to give you the recipe or, or say no. They're under no requirement to give you the recipe, so they'll just say no if they don't want to. So don't, don't think they're lying to you. Look at your process. Think about, you know, what am I doing differently than this, you know, 100-hectoliter brewery in my 5-gallon brewery that I need to change in order to make my beer like his beer. And there's a lot of little things that, that, that affect it. And so that's kind of what we're going through right now. All right, so uh, the Whirlpool makes, makes a big difference. It does. All right. I, now, I'm, I'm noticing as I'm doing the Whirlpool, the beers that I've done that with, I'm getting a, a lot more like a hop, hop body uh, in the beer. Mm-hmm. A little more mouthfeel, kind of that what I call the Sierra Nevada effect, where somehow they've got this extra mouthfeel thing go, right, going you me- on. Right, you mentioned that, how, yeah. how your beers. Uh, are different than yeah. uh, if you had done them without that long yeah. whirlpool. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm just you know sort of just still watching that to see how that turns out. But yeah. I'm, uh, something I might, I might I might just adopt on my own uh, some of my own beers as well. Right, right. Yeah, because you're you're all about that uh, that type of uh, hop yeah. I, I, I'm a typically a high mash temperature guy, so I, I'm looking for a lot of mouthfeel in the mm-hmm. beer. For sure. Well, and you also want to ask about the water. Uh, and really, the you know a lot of the brewers will go. Well, I don't really know that much about this, especially the smaller brewers. Yeah. Like, well, what works for us is adding this much gypsum. So a lot of times, I think the most important thing is gypsum additions, as far as you know, because it affects hop, the hop sharpness, and I, uh, then maybe the chalk additions. I think ninety percent say uh, you know we filter it and then we add some gypsum. That's that's pretty much what they do. Right, right. And so you know, get a sense of how much they're adding again. You know, for brew, their brew length and things like that. Boil time, of course, makes a big difference. Uh, and, and here's another one: fermentation temp. So I can't, I can't tell you the number of people when the book, when, when the Brewing Classic Styles came out, people are like, "Well, you know, the actual brewery they do it at you know this temperature. Why are you doing it at that temperature and saying it works out? You know, we're supposed to do it at 82." Right. And I'm like, well, you know, they're you know a lot of times they're using these really tall fermenters, and uh, these tall fermenters put uh, hydrostatic pressure. Increase CO2 levels, 
and it actually suppresses Strange the activity of the yeast and uh, ester formation, things like that, and you end up with a, a cleaner beer at a warmer temperature. Like Stone will tell you, they ferment their beers at 72 degrees Fahrenheit. If you ferment those beers at 72 degrees Fahrenheit, you end up with a like an alcohol headache. Yeah. They can do it. They've got these taller fermenters. So in the home brewery, we need to dial back. And depending on, you know, it's, it's kind of a understanding what they're brewing with and experience will tell you it's like okay well uh for stone they're at 72 we should need to be at 67 yeah. uh you know a brewery that's doing flat open fermenters you know you got to do something different so you have to take into account what kind of fer- fermentation they're doing and adjust things like temperature pitching rate all that uh, as well all right so uh Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, how you taste test these beers, and then we'll get into Q&A from the, from the audience. So don't go away. We'll be back right after this. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's No Beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerone's are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerone's are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah, mother... White Labs. It's all in the vial. This month, More Beer wants you to meet Darren Schleth. I've been with More Beer for 15 years. More Beer partner and manager of the manufacturing shop. I've been home brewing for 15 years. I've been all grain brewing for one year. I took home one of the flat 10-gallon systems to do some more of the testing with what we do at the shop. Darren heads R&D for all of More Beer's great innovations. My favorite part about working at More Beer is designing and coming up with new products like our redesigned conicals with the pressurizable lid. Pretty excited about the way it turned out. So what five things are you going to put on sale for us this month, Darren? The five favorite things I like to brew with is uh, the Ultimate Conical. It has a little more cooling power. Beer Kit 2. Olin and I started with it. I like the fact that it has a carboy so you can see the ferment. The yeast harvester so you can collect your yeast for the next batch. Keg pressure engage to transfer beer keg to keg. And the glass scrubber to clean glasses a little bit easier. Get to know Darren this month at morebeer.com. BN Army members, are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Hollertower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate chip and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a brewing network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com. Your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. 
You will. What's your feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. Now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right, we're back. We're back. Woo! Bang! Usually we sit further apart, so it's not a problem. No belching on the show? Not this close. Not this close. All right. So we're talking, uh, you know, some of the tips and techniques that we've learned about uh, cloning these beers. And, uh, you know, perhaps one of the most important steps is evaluating whether you truly have cloned the beer or not. And one of the things I love about this show that I think... You know, there's some people that are, are really missing out on what this show has to offer. It's not recipes for great beers, which is a nice side benefit. But it's actually, you know, you taste beers and you wonder, you know, how do they get those flavors? How is it that they're producing this beer? Why can't I get a similar flavor in my beers? It's not that you want to make exactly the same beer and avoid paying for it. You want to learn how to do the same kind of techniques. And so one of the, the great things about this is you can take any of these recipes and you can get, you know, find a commercial beer that you can get and uh, you know, take the recipe, brew it, and compare it to the commercial example. And if you're you know, really close or you're cloned, great. You know, your, your technique is sound and you've learned you know, something about that type of beer. If you're not matching it or not coming at least really close, then there's something wrong with your process that you need to work on. You know, there's there's something about the way you're doing things that's giving a different result. So it kind of teaches you how to do these techniques in order to get those those different kinds of results. So I think that's one of the the best things about this show. It really, uh, you know, it can have a lot of value as an educational tool for for learning. It's just like brewing all the BJCP styles or, uh, you know, listening to that fine show, uh, Bruce Strong. That's quality information that can help you uh, brew well. All right, so uh, one of the things uh, that we do during the show is we actually have somebody pour the uh, samples into cups. They're marked with random symbols, and uh, they pour them in a different room and they're brought in, and we don't have any idea which is which. And one of the things you want to do is compare them at the same temperature and, if you can, the same carbonation. So when you're making your beer and you're getting ready to sample it, put the commercial example in the same fridge as your homebrew. Keep them in there, same temperature. Leave them in there for a day or two till they equalize. So when you're pouring them, you don't say, well, yeah, the warm one's my homebrew. You want it as, you know, even a comparison as possible. And, uh, you know, be, be critical. Uh, we're super hypercritical when we do this. You know, if there's anything that we can even imagine is different, we're bringing it up. And sometimes it's that close. You really, you know, yeah. your Union Jack example, that yeah, was so close that, got it, you know. Yeah, we, we, we uh, got onto something about some slight difference in the base malt uh, origin or something. Right. That and it might have been harvested early that year or something. It, it may have just been imagined. Yeah. You know, because we have two samples and think, we know yeah. that they're different. Yeah. Our mind tells us that they're different. And we should be able to find some sort of difference between the two. When you're in that sort of situation and you're not really sure... Have somebody pour for you two of one beer and one of another and, and uh, do a triangle test. If you can pick out the one beer that's different correctly every time, then there's a difference. If you can't pick out which beer is the, the different one, then they're identical. There's no difference, right? It's considered identical by, you know, uh, taste and aroma standards. But our standard, you know, on the can you brew it beers is, you know, is there anything that we would change in the recipe right. or the process right. that would make the beer a, a better match? And uh, pretty much, that's that's a, to me, that's a really high standard because, uh, you know, a lot of the ones that we've cloned, we just really don't have any changes at all. Right. Well, and if, uh, you know, you were to, uh, you know, hand me a pint of whatever the commercial beer is and I'm drinking it and then you, you said, hey, you want another one of those? And I said, yeah, and you just slipped in a pint of the clone. If I don't say anything, then you know that could be could be a good measure as yeah, well. That's you know, if, you, if you're not going to notice the difference, so we have right. several of those, and we try and uh, you know completely evaluate it that way. And again, if you're not getting really close to those results, then 
you know, there's something with your process you want to look at. And again, you want to look at, uh, you know, how the, the commercial brewery does it and how your process differs from theirs. That might be one clue. Right. And, uh, you know, generally, I think a lot of times people fail on fermentation. It's a really important part of it. Uh, you know, the brewery, when they, they give us the fermentation temperature, and, of course, we make our adjustments, you know, based on a, a typical uh, homebrew uh, fermentation vessels. Um, you know, we have to, uh, you know, l- listen very carefully how the, what the brewer's uh, philosophy is in his mm-hmm. ferment. Is he mm-hmm. raising the ferment? You know, right. what's he doing right. in the second week that maybe we should be doing? Like at uh, Firestone, they start, you know, 17 and rise to 19 yeah, after right. after yeah. the growth is complete. Right. Uh, you know, very classic uh, temperature uh, right. change and right. things like that. Right. Uh, then they'll uh, let it go up to 21 the right. second week. So temperature control real important there. Yeah. So uh, those are some of the tips uh, to brewing your own clone brews. And what I'd like to do, take another break. And when we come back, it's Q&A time. And what you'll do is come right you got a question, come right up here to Mr. Push Eject. He's going to have the microphone. You actually have to stand. Talking to his neck. You have, you have, to, you have to stand this side of the, uh, the speaker so we don't get feedback. And uh, I bet you guys got a lot of great questions. And even if they don't have something to do with uh, clone a beer, that's fine. Come on up. Uh, we'll just make Palmer answer them. So back after this. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The, the Time Brewers. When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 19th century Burton-upon-Trent. Ah, Merry England! Something is amiss, my friends. Be on guard! Are these casks of white Zinfandel will stand the Queen's men in good stead in far Bangalore? Ah, oh, hell no! Blush wine out of Britain be worse than microwaving a kitten! Maharaja Dodgers drinking pink be vomiting predominant on the subcontinent! Oh, dear! You can't drink blush with Vindaloo! Oi, <laughs> what should I do? Ship hogsheads of this high carbonate water. <laughs> no, sir. Please, wait. Just a moment. Well, bless me. A parcel from the future. From one northern brewer. Use this malice auteur, my good man. EKG at a high rate per barrel makes ladies wet like Colin Farrell. Now quit Burton ruining the Burton Union and get Burton brewing. Forgettest thou not the bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento Chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping, and keep that nasty-ass bog myrtle inside your sackcloth, Brother Abelard. My stars, but this India Pale Ale is better than wine. Thanks, Time Brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next, we dare. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of the Time Brewers. Brewers Publications is proud to announce their newest release, Yeast, the Practical Guide to Beer Fermentation by Chris White and Jamil Zanishef. The Practical Guide to Beer Fermentation is a resource for brewers of all experience levels. Chris and Jamil thoroughly cover yeast selection, storage, handling yeast, and how to culture yeast. Learn how to set up your own yeast lab, the basics of fermentation science and how it affects your beer, plus step-by-step procedures, equipment lists, and a comprehensive troubleshooting guide. Professionals and homebrewers trust Dr. Chris White, who founded White Labs Yeast more than 15 years ago. And Jamil Zanishev is one of the most respected and most awarded homebrewers in history and co-author of Brewing Classic Styles with John Palmer. Visit Brewers Publications on Facebook for more information. Order your copy at shop.beertown.org or from the Brewing Network. Yeast, the practical guide to beer fermentation by two of the most trusted names in commercial and home brewing. Proudly available soon from Brewers Publications. I'm John from Grain and Grape in Melbourne, Australia. We've been supplying home brewers with equipment, ingredients and advice for over 20 years. We carry a great range of grain, hops, waste, liquid cultures and all the gear you need to make great beer from the most basic setup to a fully automated home system. We're all keen brewers, so drop in on one of our twice-monthly all-grain brewing demos and have a chat with Chris, Dan, Paul, Nick or Sam. We'll talk about brewing and recipes and systems and techniques all day. If you're squeezed for time or just dabbling in all-grain, try our range of artisanal fresh work kits brewed at Melbourne's very own Mountain Goat Brewery. We're very proud to be a major sponsor of the Australian National Home Brewing Conference. This year we've got Randy Mosher and Gordon Strong heading here for three big days in October. 
Mention the Brewing Network when you're ordering online or over the phone to receive freight free on your next order under 15 kilos. Check out our website, grainandgrape.com.au for conditions. And we'll see you at the conference. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. Seven Bridges has the best selection of organic ingredients, including over 27 varieties of organic hops at breworganic.com. Join their mailing list for special deals and regular updates. They've been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for 13 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. And Seven Bridges is the proud host of the fourth annual National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Take the challenge this fall for a chance to win great prizes, including stainless steel brew kettles and organic brewing ingredients. This year, the challenge will be judged in two locations, on the East Coast at Capital City Brewing in Arlington, Virginia, and on the West Coast at Gordon Biersch in San Jose, California. For complete details, visit breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to great beer and people-friendly business practices. They offer environmentally friendly, fair trade, and fair wage brewing products whenever possible. Seven Bridges, breworganic.com. This is Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're, you're listening to the Brewing Network. Now, can you brew it? Suck it, Tasty! Where's that little girl? Where's her dad? I don't know. All right, we're back. We're uh, we're we're at live at the uh, World Brewers Conference. We're we're alive. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> you may feel dead, but uh, we're, oh, we're actually I did. alive. I was dead this morning Gee. at the uh, Homebrewers Conference in um, the wonderful Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. Actually, Bloomington. Is it getting cooler in here? or Am I passing out? <laughs> <laughs> I think your blood pressure pressure has dropped, and so you feel cooler. That is very lovely here. Has it rained yet today? It will. Well, there'll be thunderstorms, tornadoes. You know, we (laughs) Peter and I got in the uh, in the RV and drove from. uh, We did long shot in Oakland, and then we drove like nine, ten days. We crossed like. 20 states and a thousand breweries and feel like Dorothy met, in met a couple million uh, uh, wonderful home brewers. Yeah, good for that. Right, yeah. Tornado. Uh, so, formed, did you see formed, it? It formed right next to us, in the ditch, right next to us. You know, and they, they tell you, you see a tornado. So, we're driving along, and the dirt starts like lifting up <laughs> into the air. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. Peter's videoing this. I'm like, oh, Peter, this is not good. This is not good. And then we look up. You know, you got to kind of lean down, look out the window, and here is this big black funnel-shaped thing starting to come down towards the dirt that's lifting off the ground. I'm like, oh, Peter, this is not good. This is not good. And he says, well, well, what are these cars over here? And I take a look, and there's like four or five cars around us. Yes. I think you exaggerate. Oh, sh- shut up, shut up, Peter. It was just a me, bit of cloud. Let me finish my story. There's four or five cars around, and he's like, well, what are these cars? And I'm taking a look, and, and they've all got antennas on them, and they've all got these wind speed indicators on them. And I'm thinking, oh, this is not good, Peter. This is not good. They're in the eye of the storm. See? Oh, I see. Well, so I didn't I, know what they the, were. The tornado chasers are, like, you know, driving alongside. Those, You're are closer the only, than... those are the only cars with us. You're closer than they are. Peter just true. thought they drove really weird cars in right, Kansas. Right, right. And, the, you know, you can see the people in the little tornado cars, like, look at us, pointing at the RV, <laughs> the stupid people in the RV from California that are going to die, you know? And, <laughs> and we're just like, oh, uh, Peter, this is not good. So they tell you you when the tornado is forming and you see a tornado you stop you get out of your car you lay down in the ditch and cover your head i'm thinking well the ditch is where the tornado is forming i'm not getting out and laying down where the tornado is forming i'm driving so we kept rolling the my rv goes maybe 72 miles an hour maximum so i'm I'm flying oh warp speed right warp speed absolutely And and then finally all the tornado cars slow down and then uh we heard on the NOAA radio, they said, uh, yeah, tornado formed right there a few minutes later, and it uh, was following us actually east. So we survived, but uh, I'm never crossing Kansas again in June. I, I'll, no, I'll not go a good via idea. Canada no. if I have to. Yeah, That's, you almost I took the shortcut to Oz there. Right. Yeah. So it was a great trip, but, uh, you know, I, I probably went through a few pair of underwear right there. <laughs> awesome. Had to stop for a change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter, do you have a question, or are you just going here to annoy me after the... Oh, I'm uh, definitely here to annoy you. Yeah, well, that's what I figured. All right, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, 
I, I'd like to make a request. <laughs> I'm not giving you your money back. No, oh, you, 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 you signed up for the trip. That's it. No refunds. One of my favorite beers that we sampled yes. was Milk Stout. Oh, left hand Milk Stout, yeah. yeah. We had the left hand one. But we also had at Yak and Yeti that uh, chai milk stout. Right. Yes. Now, Chris Kennedy at Yak and yeah. Yeti. Great place. And a lot of people don't know about Yak and Yeti. No, their website's hopeless. Yeah, well, yeah. But the... the it only talks about the food. Right. You get uh, great uh, Tibetan Indian curry type foods with great uh, craft brew. It's a brew pub with this, this Indian food. You know, you go to a lot of brew pubs. They're wonderful. But the menu's darn near the same every time. So uh, it was fantastic. And, and Chris there is doing a really good job. And it was uh, just delicious. I loved it. Okay, so... You like the chai milk it's, it's tasty up for the challenge here? Yeah, bring it up. A, a chai... Oh, I haven't got He's me. Been drinking. Oh, He'll say yes to anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to drive to uh, Arvada, Colorado. No, we'll call him up for the recipe. We're talking about what, up for the challenge of cloning the beer? Sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree. That that was a one fantastic beer. Uh, I'm not really there, I, I told him. I said, "So, Chris, you got to give us the recipe and, and do Canyon Brew it, and you got to send us a beer." Great. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, sure, all right, yeah, Great. real nice guy." Well, there's your good request. request, Peter. Good request, Peter. All right. You went to the top of the list. Top of the list. The shit list. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking questions. If you got questions, bring them on. I think uh, the crowd is fighting. Fighting, uh, they're trying to get next to push. Uh, all variables being controlled. Yes. Uh, with the exception of fermenter size and shape, how much effect does that have? A tremendous, tremendous effect on uh, the resulting beer. It's a great question. You know, the 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 uh, scale of the the fermenter, the the hydrostatic pressure it puts on the uh, on the yeast. You know, CO two levels, things like that. Uh, you know, the deeper your your tank, the more uh, partial pressure of gases you're going to have in those things at the bottom with the yeast, and it's going to affect fermentation drastically. So that's one of the reasons why you know we we you know you hear the brewer say 72, and we say yeah we fermented at 67. You're probably screaming at the uh, at the radio saying hey you know no you idiots he said 72, <laughs> and we're like well you know that's once one of the reasons we're changing those so. You know, don't be afraid to experiment with those parameters of fermentation. You may actually need to change your pitching rate. You need may need yeah. to change your oxygen yeah. uh, additions. Right. When, we say, when we say process, that. that's that is part of the process: the ferment, the the, the shape of the vessel. Right. So as you as you clone these beers, and again, as Jamil mentioned, it's a way to calibrate your system, calibrate your process, calibrate calibrate your technique. So as you as you make it and realize it's not the same, you may say, you know, I think I need to be be about two degrees higher than everybody else right, or right. any recipe that I get. So once you learn that, then you just kind of know how to adjust yourself well, to any other recipe that might show up. And then there's also, you know, the you know uh, open fermenters or, you know, pumped fermenters, re- cir- circulating fermenters, um, you know, Yorkshire squares, uh, Yorkshire round squares. <laughs> um, there's, uh, you know, covered uh, dairy tanks versus cylindroconical. Uh, you know, all these things have, have an effect on the resulting beer. Hi guys, I'm Jason from Davenport, Iowa. Um, I had a question. I've clone, I've taken the time to clone two of the brews from okay. from the show. Great. Mm-hmm. I did the uh, the Dead Guy Ale, right, and the Gordon, <laughs> and I found that the Gordon was was dead on right away, mm-hmm. and it, you know I was like woohoo! But mm-hmm. then and then the the Dead Guy was a little fruitier, slightly off. Um, but that I set it, you know, cellared it, you know, mm-hmm. downstairs at 65 degrees for three months. And I just popped one a couple weeks ago, and <laughs> lo and behold, it's dead on. Right. So are you guys finding in drift, in some of the drift over time, yeah. do you guys find that they're, they're, as time goes on that they go further away from the example, the commercial example, or maybe some of them get even closer? How's time affecting some of these that you guys are doing that you have in your, at your houses? Well, you know, we've noticed on, on, on some beers, especially the big beers, uh, they need they need more time to catch up to the uh, the commercial examples. Uh, I, I would imagine it, like, it's hard for a, a beer a beer company to get a beer to the shelf and into my hands anything like uh, younger than like five weeks old. So when we do the Kenya Brewer show, typically, you know, because of their schedule of the of the people that are doing the uh, clone brewing uh, the beers are pretty fresh i mean i sometimes i find myself 
filtering, Smile. filtering and uh, carbonating the beer a day before the uh, for the show. So it's extremely fresh. So uh, really challenges the commercial beer to, to you know over you know to get us a fresh example. So we've had a few t- cases where uh, they weren't necessarily spot on fresh. I think uh, last year actually when we did the uh, Can You Brew It show uh, in Oakland, uh, I think we did the Dead Guy uh, that day and. Uh, Commercial example was just a little bit oxidized, so still a big deal. We got past that, um, and uh, so did unfortunately John Mayer have to uh, taste that beer. Um, well, and that, and that's one of the things you know you need to uh, be aware of when you're you know we didn't mention it when we're talking about uh, comparing, but you need to make sure you have a a good uh, fresh example of right. the commercial beer. And, our, you know our classic clone. Uh, Tangent was when we did the uh, brown sugar from uh, from Lagunitas, right? Uh-huh. So when we brewed the beer and, right, we, right. and we compared them, we tasted their beer and it's just real, it's just real like a multi, uh, you know, really kind of a lot of multi sweet backbone in it. And then, it starts then, out real hoppy. Yeah, and, the, the you fresh know. example, my beer was just a hot, like a, a double <laughs> IPA, really hoppy, and couldn't right. already get any malt. Out I had of never it. had it like that before. Right. So yeah, I had though. I'd had tasted the beer right. in both states. So I said, you know. Uh, and it so happened we were going to have the brewers in our in the studio for a, a, one of the Sunday sessions, uh, just in a few weeks. So, so when they come in, I want them to try my beer right. and, and their you know what they got on the shelf at that point, and have them say. And they and they came in and said, yeah, the, your beer is going to taste like this beer. And I don't know, they said about eight weeks or something. Well, like that. another interesting point is pasteurization. So some oh. beers are pasteurized, and that can add a slight uh, touch of uh, sweetness or caramelization kind of character to a beer. It, it changes the character of a beer just slightly, even with the best of pasteurization techniques, and so you may need to also compensate for that. That's a uh, you know tends to be you know more of a challenge in a lighter beer. You know, in some of the the real heavy uh, you know flavor craft brews that we do, it doesn't have uh, quite as much effect. Well, wait a minute. I think the real question is, Jason, did you bring any of your dead guy clone here? What a dick. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> did you did you have me taste the dead guy clone? Somebody did. Somebody else had me taste the dead guy clone. I think maybe it was in Colorado. Oh. And um, yeah, I think it was in the it was at left hand at the uh, IPA uh, club meeting maybe. Somebody had their dead guy clone. I tasted it and it was a, a similar thing. He was like, well, you know, initially it didn't taste right, and he goes, I gave it some age, and, and then it, it, it was actually quite close. Hi guys, I'm Eric from Omaha. Um, Tasty, you've been a big advocate of hop sacks during the boil. Is there a, a percentage you up the hops to uh, to make account for the change in utilization? Uh, you know, no, I don't. And uh, you know, of course, in my own recipes, uh, a utilization, the hop requirement, sort of built into the recipe. So, you know, then you would say, okay, on these clone beers, do you make an adjustment on those? And no, I don't. I feel I, uh, well, I generally. Uh, <laughs> Well, one time I had. I was going to say it's because Tasty has really big sacks, and so well, right. the hops are very loose in there. Yes, and I yeah. think if you that, have a, a very yeah. loose uh, amount of, uh, you know, if you have a big enough sack, <laughs> and you know you Can don't do pack it tight, oh. it, it you know it allows the hops to really the distribute free well. Yeah. And you get they're yeah. room free. They're they're swinging, well, nice, you know, it's, yeah. it's swinging it's, free. Uh, you know they're they're moving with the boil and they're you're getting good utilization. They're, they're so you there. might be dropping a little bit uh, on that in that case. Yeah, but then yeah. I, I use like six by nine hop sacks, and I never put more than two ounces in any one. So if the recipe calls for three ounces, I just do ounce and a half in each one and put two in. So there might be some difference there, and I, I think you're probably still losing a, a losing small some. amount of uh, utilization. But right. then there's enough slop in the process that, and bittering is is actually fairly forgiving. You know, if you're, yeah. you know, you can taste the difference, but boy, you know, especially when it gets up into the high IBU beers. Yeah, 65, 70, who know. knows the difference, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can taste it, but it's it's still not uh, not not as big a deal. Yeah. Does anybody else have a question? Is your chance to ask the guys live. Come on up. Don't be shy. We won't bite. Any question, too. It doesn't have to be about cloning beers, guys. Can you just give your name and where you're from? Hi, Jay-Z. This is Scott from South Dakota. Hi, Scott. And he has a question. Yes. I just got distracted by Tasty's sexiness at, at the moment. Sorry. If a pro brewer filters their beer, do you filter it? And what do you uh, think about filtering at home? Well, 
I, I think uh, you know, tasty is is one to, to filter. I don't filter, and but I tend to do the beers that drop bright and clear, like, you know, the ones that use the English uh, yeast, because then I don't have to I don't have to do anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, filtering can make a difference, and yeah. it, it could be important. So you you do uh, a fair amount of filtering. I do filtering, and I, it really you know it works well on these can you brew it beers because a lot of the commercial guys you know do filter Most, their beer, yeah. or at least they. They find it to the point where it is clear, and we're we're trying to bring these beers to our show in a pretty short time frame, and you know usually typically two weeks. So to to, to get the effect of like uh, just uh, letting it settle, I'm filtering all the stuff out that gravity would take care of in probably a week, so I can just bring the beers online quicker. Mm-hmm. It allows me to like filter and then typically force carbonate it the swing so have it for the show the next day. All right, and you know, if you guys got any questions, you know, come on up to, to push. Was it here? It's it's Peter. It's yeah. Peter again. No, uh, it's one See, for this tasty. is the same problem I had in the RV. It was just always, you know. Ha- pay attention, day. Mike. Pay attention. Good question now, look. after question. Yeah, the question is: Why How is difficult is it to suppress your creativity and just follow the recipe? <laughs> oh, oh, that's for tasty, isn't it? That's true. Uh, that's right. Well, you hear the sound of the uh, samurai sword in the beginning? Eh? Eh? What I hear the sound is uh, this guy would bust my balls. when I, I mean, one time, uh, <laughs> what I call that creative license, I, yes. I made some adjustments to, Just nearly shit to the recipe. I thought the guy was going to jump across the table or something. So I live in fear of his wrath. So yeah, I know I would not do that, Peter. Right. It's a good question, though. Do you, do you oh. are you getting do you get bored, Tasty, that we're giving no, you? No, these, no, 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 I'm, no, because I'm a process guy. I mean, yeah. the recipe's nice. But I, you know, I'm the. I, what I get into is trying to make the, the beer the same way every time. And my process, and the, to me, that's like all about timing and temperature, and and never running out of propane, and just things that limit the number of mishaps that seem to happen in, in every brew. I'm sure all you guys, really, you know, experience this. It seems like you'll go for like five or six brews, and something like always happens. I mean, it's it's, it's so you know, if you're trying to like you know be consistent, that kind of thing is really going to get you off track, you know, a lot. So. I try to, you know, do a lot of preventive maintenance on my equipment, make sure I've got plenty of supplies and stuff, so, and uh, you know, make sure I, you know, always put in the world well, flock instead and, of half the time. And that's another thing that I think is really critical that, that a lot of, uh, you know, homebrewers miss out on that commercial brewers realize is consistency is vital. Now, you can go ahead and do different things, but if you cannot brew the same beer twice and have it turn out the same way twice, you got a problem. Right, you're not really controlling your brewing. <laughs> you're drinking you're, too much. You're yeah. randomly making beer. Nothing wrong with that if no, that's, that's what you want to do. No, but if you want to make the best beer you can possibly make, if you really want to be a great brewer who can make what they want to make, then you want to be able to control your process. You want to be able to duplicate a beer time and time again. Brew it three times in a row. Do a blind tasting on all three and say they're identical. If you can do that, now you control then, it. You're the then, yeah, then you can start saying, okay, well, I want this flavor. I, I want a little less of that. I want this, that, and the other thing. And you can actually do it. But if you, if you can't consistently brew a beer, you really just don't have control of your process. And the, and the beer is going to turn out randomly different based off of those, yeah, those, so those problems. If you, you have less crystal, and all of a sudden it turns out drier, you're going like, what's that about? Well, you had some problem in your process that, you know... Right, it maybe the other way. fermentation. It might be, you know, yeah. you know, something. Something's wrong with your different. thermometer. It's two degrees off. Right. You know, can... So, it, you know, it's great to have creative license, and you have that. But you know, apply your creative license, uh, you know, in a in a way, or you know, uh, make sure your brewing yeah. is taking advantage of your creative yeah. license. Tune it up. Make you sure want you... to be creative. You want to do something new and unusual, but you may not get that result because your your brewing process doesn't doesn't uh, allow you to do it. So, you know, focus on that. You know, it's it's a, it's a good a good test to try and brew the same beer twice. Thank you. That's a great question. Thanks. Hey, I'm Bud from South Dakota. Bud. Um, how does the uh, sparge rate and anything like the as far as fly sparging and batch sparging affect your um, overall output of what the beer tastes like? Mm. Good question. Did you want to come in there? Well, no, all right. Good. So, you know, uh, it, it actually uh, you know makes quite a difference. Especially, you know, take for example, we did these uh, these Fuller's beers, uh, ESB and London Porter or London Pride. I'm sorry. And uh, uh, you know, Chad made them just as beers, 
And the problem is, the, the way Fuller's does it, they run out their, their mash into various kettles, and they just keep going and then you know, keep sparging and, and you know, successive kettles, and then they boil it and they blend it. Well, those first runnings are richer and maltier and have less of a husky graininess to them and don't have tannins and dryness. And it's, it's a really rich beer. It's a great way to make a barley wine or something where you want that, that full malt, malt character. And that's most of what's in an ESB, right? And then London Pride is, is a bigger cut of uh, later runnings where it has kind of a tannin dryness to it. It's kind of a, a thinner malt character. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a totally different beer. You cannot make the two without doing that kind of party gal process. Uh, it, it radically changes. And the same thing will happen if you batch sparge or no sparge or fly sparge. The resulting beer can be different. Now, if you're trying to uh, clone most commercial beers, they're all, you know, fly sparged and... You know, you'll do just fine along something like that, and it's and it's just you know made that way. It's only when you have something special um, that you need to kind of uh, be be careful of, of that. All right. Well, I think that was uh, a good show, Tasty. I think we uh, all stayed awake. Did a did a stellar job, like we always. That's do. all we know. So. It's all, you know, That's all we know. Yeah. yeah, so that will be the last show we do. That's, that's pretty much sums it up. So no we're feedback from the audience, please. They, no uh, feedback. They're feeling good. We're done. Yes, we're, <laughs> we're very happy with our, our efforts. We're very happy with ourselves, like we usually are. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we thank you all for attending, and we thank, uh, thank our great sponsors, Northern Brewer, northernbrewer.com. They are the guys who are paying for this show, so you go to uh, northernbrewer.com. Check them out. On the web, great site, great prices, great shipping, everything, uh, and, and great people. So uh, make sure you, you give them a little bit of love for us uh, since they, they take care of the show for you. And uh, what else we got coming up? Uh, you know, uh, we got new yeast book coming out. You'll find that in the Brewing Network store. Right now you can find Brewing Classic Styles and How to Brew uh, from John Palmer and myself, and you can uh, get those things uh, when you buy them. They help out the Brewing Network tremendously, and uh, we appreciate the support that you give us in there. And uh, till the next show, make sure to uh, brew strong and often. Yeah.